0: Aloha, and welcome to a very exciting episode of the Ohana Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chun, and today we're recording live at the beautiful Soka University campus in Aliso Viejo, and thrilled to have comedian, author, and devoted parent Rita Rudner join us. So please, let's welcome Rita to the show. Rita, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for at least a couple of years. Wow,
1: I'm (laughs) impressed. Thank you. Well, I
0: just gave you a hint to my first question because I have been looking forward to this for a few years. And so I always ask, do you recall how we first met?
1: We were talking about that, yes, doing the community announcements for the schools. And um, whenever I I go to a place, like when I was living in Las Vegas, I always like to join in and you know do some work for the local whatever's going on locally i did lots of charities for um the uh dog charities because i love dogs when i lived in las vegas and i'd done a lot of work here for similar similar um charities
0: so that okay, so you just mentioned a couple of things that I want to get to, but yes, so we met, and you were doing these public service announcements for our school district, mm-hmm. so supporting public education, yes, and I know that our school board trustees and our superintendent and all of those folks were so excited that we got you to do these, and but they were not just audio they those were video as well, right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yes, and I hope I, I
1: didn't look shiny. No, no, <laughs> was I,
0: you look, Was I shiny? You look fantastic. I take it
1: back if I if I if I was shiny.
0: No, no, and and so then um, uh, in that vein, I want to think about this and ask you uh, because we're going to come to this later. But you were doing these video, and they were uh, somewhat amusing, but very uh, supportive um, public service announcements. And I think either it was in the final cut. Or you were just doing this, and we kept it. But uh, your daughter Molly was mm-hmm. playing in one of them, wasn't she? Well, she
1: is a musician. Yes. And uh, you have a ukulele in your hand. Yes, so, I do. I so always do. So you can relate. And I, you know, I try not to be too pushy, but I'm a little bit pushy. Not as pushy as my husband. He's, <laughs> he's Mr. Pushy. But she, uh, from a very early age, she played the piano. And then we went because I was performing at the MGM in Las Vegas and Miley Cyrus, when she was Hannah Montana, Mm -hmm. came to the MGM and she saw Miley Cyrus do a big guitar, uh, her big musical show at the arena there. And she said, "For Christmas, can I please have a guitar?" And she was, I don't know, eight, eight or nine. So five. Okay. See, my husband knows me. <laughs> he's I'm chiming so in. And so, Mar-
0: Martin is off to the side chiming in. So yeah, thank you.
1: In case I do something wrong. See, I, Mr. Mr. P- Never mind. So uh, <laughs> no, he's just he's always right. So um, uh, there, she we got her the guitar, and she was instantly good at it, and um, she was very musical. And up till then, we thought maybe tennis might be something. But you know, tennis is, uh, you have to practice. And you, we, she was on the tennis team at Dana Hills when she was going to school there. And music theory was at 6am. And tennis practice was after school. So we said, we're going to kill her. So she kind of had to uh, join one one uh, profession or the other. And she chose music because I think that has a little bit more longevity than tennis. Not much, but a little bit.
0: So Okay, so every time you start telling something, you bring up all these things I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, Dana Hill's... My son went to Dana Hills. I can't believe we may have been crossing paths mm. and didn't even realize it because I've been a fan for so long I would be surprised if I didn't realize mm. it. But so she was, uh, she was attending school there. She was playing tennis. When, when I uh, saw you and then you invited me to her performance, that was another fascinating thing because she was performing in a place called the Fish Bowl. Fish Tank. Or fish Tank. Yeah. Fish Tank. I thought that was going to be a concert hall And then I found myself down in Dana Point, walking down an alley, and it was a warehouse, and somebody, the door was rolled up about four feet. Well, it was so
1: (laughs) cute, and um, our friend Amy Hanacek told us about a friend of hers who was opening this space, this uh, public space, because he wanted a place for uh, local performers to be able to... You know show their talents and martin is a a producer that's how we met i always say you know he hired me and we had an affair and i married him and it used to be a love story now it's a lawsuit but (laughs) but he looks at a venue even on our honeymoon because we had our honeymoon right here at the ritz carlton when it just opened so this is a very special whole place for us and he would walk around the convention center rooms and go, we could put chairs in there and you could do your show there, you know. So <laughs> he's, he's always on the lookout and he saw the fish tank and um, he put together a band with Molly and her friend Sydney, uh, Sydney Bowen, who she still sings with when she's in town and a few of the... Uh, the people, another another guy, a um, wonderfully talented man um, named Roy, Boy Man, well, one of those, for Brian Tarbutton, who was just in our band when we did listen to the 70s. He can play anything. So there's a lot of talent right here locally, and we, we love tapping into it.
0: So, and that's right, because I just ran into somebody who knows Ryan, and I, I, they were reminding me of who he was, and I said, oh my gosh, I've seen him perform. He was the guitarist, right?
1: He was. Then he was the bass player, oh, yes, okay. and now he's he was on drums,
0: so but he, he just, plays everything. He just swept in, and then that performance, and I'll never forget, because forget, I ducked under that roll-up door, mm-hmm. and I came in, and it was packed.
1: Wasn't it cool? And, and and it, they had lots of projections on the walls, yes. and you know what happened right after that? COVID.
0: Oh, that's and
1: right. And everything shut down and no one was allowed to do anything for two years, so.
0: That's right. And mm. you and, and Martin and I, so you were on, on the left side, stage mm. left or whatever, and then we walked over and someone said, oh, there's going to be a great place to stand. And we were balancing on this narrow staircase. I
1: remember the and staircase, yeah. It,
0: and it was such an incredible performance. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I could not believe that that was the experience because I thought it was we were going to be sitting in a theater somewhere, and instead we got to see the performers, we got to see Molly, and we got to to experience the music so close and so personal It was
1: really a fun night let 's go back and do it again. We should <laughs> definitely do
0: that again i in fact i was i didn 't ask, but I was half hoping that Molly was going to be here, but now I understand she 's
1: she 's still heavily into music she 's in the frost school of music um, which is a uh, a division of the University of Miami.
0: Okay, so she's in Florida right now, mm-hmm. and, and
1: she's in some kind of production class where she has to twirl a lot of knobs, and she I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you learn how to do it. I don't I don't know what's going on.
0: So that's a shame she wasn't here, but maybe sometimes she would come on the podcast and she could talk about her and music. And she'll for.
1: play one of her original songs, and she's about to finally launch into like the whole music scene with um, um go on Spotify and. Podify and dotify whatever that is. I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention, but she's she's heavily into it.
0: Well, that that brings me to so many more questions. But I don't want to. Let, let me think. I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One of them was so uh, Molly really started when she was. Five mm-hmm.
1: piano, or P- four or five piano, and then onto the guitar. Yeah. Onto
0: the guitar, and so did she have this? Uh, did she have this natural talent? Was it cultivated? Is did she have uh, perfect pitch?
1: Had, pretty much. I mean, she is. She um, gravitated towards it. And what you have to do with anything to be good at it is do it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I gravitated towards dancing. I was a professional dancer. I did know because that. I was good at it. So. So when you're good at it, you want to do it. If it's something you're not good at, you I don't do that. So uh, then she just kind of, tennis and music were her two loves, and music won out. So yes, if she hadn't been good at it, I would, because I took her to ballet class, first of all, because I I started ballet when I was four, and I loved ballet, and I was always taking ballet class, and um, as soon as she could form a sentence. She said, mommy, no more. So I said, (laughs) let's not, let's not do this. She really didn't like ballet. And now of course she says, mom, why didn't you make me take dance? But you you can't make them do, you can't make them do something they don't want to do. She wanted to play the guitar. Here's a guitar. That's
0: something that I've learned with my kids as well. So, so then, and the reason I asked that is because she, her talent seemed very natural when I was watching, and I was watching very carefully watching her perform because when I have uh, played ukulele with different student groups, and it's, it's always kind of a catastrophe, but, and nothing ever sounds quite right, but there's this one uh, group of kids that I play with at the high school, and there's one student there who has perfect pitch. Mm. And so I will be playing, and he will lean over as I'm playing and tune my ukulele. He can ah. hear a string that's out of tune, and it's the most aggravating thing, but he does it every time. Oh, well, and tell so, him to stop. I, I can't <laughs> stop him, in fact, I'm playing with them right here at Soka University Uh, This Sunday and I am gonna make sure that every instrument I have with me is perfectly tuned because that kid's gonna walk out on that stage And he's gonna do that to me,
1: you know Molly's a little like that and she does all you know charts and harmonies and everything and if somebody has a note That's in the harmony she's pointing. She's she's a pointer. (laughs) It's over there. Stop it. This is the wrong note over there So it's a talent. I guess she can hear everything so she can certainly hear when we're talking about her and she's in her bedroom and We're in the kitchen Excellent
0: hearing. So you when you when you talk about hearing a performer, and, and this is something that I was uh, interested in asking you, I started to ask you before we mm-hmm. start recording. Uh, I have been listening to you for a long time, uh, ages. I won't say how long. And And I noticed that in your comedic performances, you have this timing and this rhythm to the way you deliver your lines. And I was curious, because I didn't notice that, when we were speaking before this, and I don't notice it now, I was curious if that was something that you've developed as you performed in front of live audiences, or if that's something that just comes naturally? Developed. You developed Because it.
1: every audience is different, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're dancing with the audience. Every audience has a different rhythm. So you just have to listen to the audience. And you have to, if they're laughing really hard, you've got to pause. If they're not laughing really hard, you've got to go faster. You know, <laughs> if if there's a noise, you've got to comment on it. And then, you know, if there's a, somebody talking in the, or phone ringing, you've got to mention. Every audience is absolutely their own entity. And they have their own rhythm. So you have to listen to the audience. You can't ignore them. They They're the people who paid the money to to see you. So that's what I do. I listen to the audience and it's it's an innate sense that I can, I try not to um, tell them where the joke is. I try to always have a delivery where they can figure out where the joke is, so uh, a normal comedy rhythm was, and then I said, da, 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 like <laughs> So, you, you know, I always try to do the opposite of that and let them come to the joke by themselves. So sometimes it would take a little bit longer for the big laugh to happen, and you wait for that. So that's what I do. I, I listen to the audience.
0: So when you just described it that way, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I do recognize that that's the way that you bring draw the audience in. I'll, I'll have to say, I was I was... I was more than a little nervous about this episode oh, today hello, i I hi. was worried because I was afraid i wasn 't going to fit in with the timing that i 've always heard from you when you deliver i listen to you well, <laughs> and, and 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 the the reason it's uh, it was a little unnerving for me is because i 've actually had several encounters right here at soku university with with different well known celebrities one of them was was several years ago with uh the actress uh, doris roberts mm, she was in of course uh, know her, uh, well yeah. i knew her from uh remington steel but uh but and
1: then everyone loves rain everyone loves so she loves ours yeah. yeah
0: and she was here uh we were both supposed to be here for some ceremony and i saw her crossing the parking lot i got so excited i went racing over to her her people stepped in front of me she and, had
1: people yes yeah, she
0: had people helping her this is oh. Very late. Yeah, yes. Martin's I have your a person. <laughs> because
1: he said, I have, to. I said, Martin, you don't have to come. He said, Rita, you're not going to be able to find it. And he's right. I am so challenged um, directionally. I just can't. I just can't. So he, he helped me. And you were there for us. You were there right <laughs> there. Was. And he showed me where to go.
0: So, so Martin is your person. Um, Doris Roberts had her people. They stepped in front of me because they thought I was a nut. And um, I said, no, no, no. I'm Ross Chun. Mm-hmm. We're here together. And, and. And they still wouldn't let me say oh, hi to her dear. and then finally i said you know I, I i hate to roll this out but i'm actually i'm the mayor of the city and i'm supposed to be speaking with you and they said oh and they kind of stepped aside we took this photograph together and then I, they said well we're going to help her to get the because she was quite elderly at that point and um they they got her onto the stage and then they seated me right next to her and i saw her looking at me the entire time out of the corner of her eye like oh no i'm sitting next to this nut why? And I, she and, has
1: to get off her high horse.
0: Well, she was, very, she was very kind during the ceremony. And then, you know, she passed away shortly after that. And mm. I've got this picture of us together. And my brothers look at that picture and they, uh, they say, oh, she looks like she was so happy to see you. And I said, no, she actually thought I was a little crazy. Mm. And, and so I was, I was a little hesitant the next time. I was here recently and Paul Williams was performing. Wow. And I had met him years ago. And um, he came after his performance to this reception, and he walked over to me, and I was thinking, okay, I don't want to act like a nut. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, I remember you. And I said, you do? He said, what? We're, we're, we were sitting in a theater together, and I said, I was attending your wife's storyteller competition, and you sat next to me. He goes, that's right, I remember you. And I thought, okay. Well, that's
1: so, a different experience. <laughs> it is a different experience.
0: So when I knew that you were coming here, I thought, I hope I don't end up looking like another... Crazed Why fan running you up to you. Think that? <laughs> it was it's fifty fifty, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm so glad that we ended up getting to talk, and I and I got to ask you that question, that burning question about your comedic rhythm. But now you also, um, so you wrote a memoir.
1: I did because um, the COVID thing happened, and I was doing lots and lots of jigsaw puzzles.
0: Okay,
1: <laughs> and I said if there ever was a time to write a memoir, it's now. So I went back, and I uh, remembered everything I could. And then Martin read it and said, you forgot this, 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 and this. <laughs> and then I read it again. And then he said, what about this, 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 and this? And I wrote it again. And it's called My Life in Dog Years because I wanted to figure out a different way to write an autobiography that wasn't, and I was born, and I, so I attached it to, I attached it to um, every 15 years to one of my dogs because I always have a dog. Oh. And each dog... Kind- excuse me, kind of represented another um, kind of facet in my life where, you know, when I was an only child and my first dog was kind of like my my, my sister, even though um, she, my sister was a German shepherd. That's a good, <laughs> <title>. <laughs> it's a good title for something. My sister was a German shepherd. And um, then when I was living alone in um, New York when I was very young, 15, 16, I had Agatha, who was like my best friend because I didn't know anybody there. And then after Agatha, Martin and I uh, adopted Bonkers, and he was like our first child <laughs> because we, we didn't have children at that point. And then after that, we had Twinkle. That was my grandchild. And now I have Betsy, who's my great-grandchild. Oh. <laughs> so we, I just attached all of my life, uh, all, like every 15 years, to a different dog.
0: Oh, that, so I just assumed when I saw the title, because I don't, I didn't have a a copy to read. And what
1: my latest dog, Betsy, is on
0: the, on the um, the cover, cover? yeah. I just assumed that was a, that was a catchy, uh, a catchy title. I had no idea that that was actually the structure of your storytelling. That's the structure. Which is fantastic. Um, So my wife is a writer Mm -hmm. and she, uh, she wrote a memoir. I'm in this one particular chapter, which I absolutely love. It's called My Husband is a Hero. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, I'm in that chapter, and I give this book to people. I ask people to read this book because I said, read this story because it's about me. Mm -hmm. There's all these other chapters, but that one, it's like we're at, at Soka University in Aliso Viejo, and I know the man who wrote The History of Eliso Viejo. It's a book, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's at Target, and I always tell people, it's this fantastic book, I'm on page 83, <laughs> and people look for it. So so you actually wrote a book based on your ownership of dogs, All well, students here know me, because I walk my dog here mm-hmm. three, four times a, uh, a week, and everyone knows me for my dog, and and uh, a dog lover, I'm a dog lover, as as clearly you are as well, and you've mm. adopted all these dogs, and and I love the fact that you're able to use your dogs um, as the markers, the milestones in your life. I did not know that. And I cannot wait to tell everybody about that part of your book because I think it's My wonderful. Life of
1: Dog Years, yes.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> so that also brings me to another question. I mentioned my wife and she never gives me input on these segments. But she said uh, the one answer I want to hear from Rita Rudner is is how did she balance this career? And I started telling her everything you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she and I are both the same age. In fact, I just turned 60 yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so we both look back on our lives, and she said, how is it possible um, to, to balance uh, personal life, family, uh, your, your poor husband, Martin, who's always your handler, and, and then... He's career- more than
1: that. My manager, my lawyer... My uh my co-writer for my books that he Schaefer. writes screenplays. What screenplays? Chauffeur. Oh, Schaefer. stop it! <laughs> stop it! He did, He. In fact, I told you I met him because he produced comedy shows. Yes. Yes. So you know he. We're both in the same business. Well, what happened was, um, I marvel at women who could do everything at the same time. I couldn't because I, um, was traveling all the time. And I, if I was going to be a mother, I didn't want to be traveling all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when Martin and I got married, we got married. I was already in my mid-30s. He hired me, had the good sense to hire me when I was around 30 and uh, produced a show uh, for me at the Edinburgh Festival and then did loads of shows in London and Australia and when we got married, he had a—he uh, was doing major tours all over the world. So he was traveling. I was traveling. In fact, we had our honeymoon right here at the Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like four days. And then he was back to Australia. And I was doing a TV show somewhere else. So <laughs> we were much too busy. And by the time we got around to talking about children, it was way too late for me. So we adopted a, a lovely child. And she's uh, Molly. We've been mm-hmm. talking uh, all about her. And then Martin figured out a way where I could be a mother and still do my act and I didn't have to travel, which was Las Vegas. When I got um, the president of New York, New York offered to uh, build me my own theater in New York, New York. And Martin said, this kind of fits in with the next, um, the next segment of our lives. we cause I could, uh, I go to work at seven. I'm home by 9.30, 10. So I can take Molly to school. I can pick her up. I can make dinner and you know, be with Martin and I can um, still do my show because I have to drive to my show and the audience has to take a plane. And I'm very well rested. They're jet lagged. So <laughs> it all kind of came together and I was able to do both, but I didn't do it at the same time. I did it uh in segments. And also, even now, I always consider uh, my marriage is just more important to me than anything else like i remember i was offered something remember that movie that i was 6 months somewhere when we were in um, oak pass road from that director and he said i uh, you're going to go here and i said no i'm, not. I'm married i got offered a big uh, a nice part in on broadway when i was living in uh, california and i said you know i know i my 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 child's in school here i can't do that <laughs> so i always put that first and, but for a long time I put my career first because I, that was, you know, that was my main thing in my life. And then my marriage was, and then my child was, and now um, golf and tennis, they, they feature. <laughs> oh my, God.
0: That, so, so that's the answer to the question. But I have to ask you, so so when did you start, what, what years were you first starting out in stand-up?
1: In like, uh, well I was in Annie, my, my sixth Broadway show, and I was in Annie on Broadway. And that was 1980, and I think that's when I started really considering that this was what I was going to do for okay. a living, and I started going to comedy clubs um, when Annie was over at like 10 o'clock, and then I'd go to comedy clubs and listen to jokes and, and figure out how to write jokes. and. Uh, go to places that weren't really comedy clubs because I couldn't get on to comedy clubs. I just did like bars that had a microphone. They rented a <laughs> microphone for the night and I would tell jokes wherever I could because comedy was just starting to be a big thing. In fact, I wrote another novel called Tickle Pink, which is all about uh, the 80s and all of the... Uh, it's, a, it's fiction, but it's got a lot of fact in it too. And Martin and I wrote a play and that produced the Laguna Playhouse uh, off of that oh. book that we did for a while that was really fun. So the 80s were kind of like the the big comedy, the the comedy boom was right there with people who were still, you know, Jerry's Seinfeld's still around and Bill Maher and, um, and one of my best friends, Louis Anderson, who just passed away. But, mm. you know, he was a really, really good friend of mine. And the wow. 80s produced a lot of really good comedians.
0: And the 80s, so the 80s were the time that comedy clubs became more mainstream and almost franchised, the 80s were the time uh, when uh, radio stations, like KLOS locally here was playing Five O'Clock Funnies. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I used to time. I remember that. Yeah, I used to time my drive home to try and hear the, the, the 5 o'clock funnies, and they always played it at 5.20, because mm-hmm. they said it takes people time to get to their cars, and it drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. But that's where I heard so many comedians, uh, like I remember Ellen DeGeneres was, mm-hmm. was on 5 o'clock She's funnies all that the time. She's
1: era too. From like the 80s to the 2000s were um, very, very, com- the comedy fruitful. Yes. It they they was fruity. <laughs> <laughs> They're fruity comedy.
0: So all of that time is when I started really enjoying uh, comedy, and, and recognizing that it was a separate and distinct uh, uh, sort of genre of entertainment that not everyone was listening to and enjoying. And then Seinfeld came out, and all these things were happening on television, and people started recognizing and, and admiring comedians. And, and then especially in Las Vegas, and, and, and now, because I was in Las Vegas uh, just two weekends ago with mm-hmm. my family. And because I don't know if you know this or not, but Hawaiians love Las Vegas. Mm. Um, uh, downtown Las Vegas, not the strip. If you go downtown, it's all Hawaiians and mm. all the food is Hawaiian. Wow. Uh, my mother uh, used to fly from Honolulu to Las Vegas for her class reunion. You know, And then when we lived in California, they would drive out. My dad would, would uh, go for their class reunions in downtown Las Vegas. And so when we were there, I was telling my whole family about I'm going to be interviewing you, mm-hmm. and we were looking around. I said, there, "There, there are signs here somewhere." There's a giant billboard with Rita Rudner, mm-hmm. and we were looking around, um, and and I explained to them how that's that's one way that that performers who were traveling all over the place can actually have sort of a footprint.
1: And it was a good ten years that I I didn't move. I just was you know in Las Vegas and um, able to be a mother and a comedian at the same time.
0: So. Now, here we are, and I am fascinated to know what's next because you've, you've done so much. In, in fact, some things that I didn't even uh, realize. So what is, what is is gonna be next? I know you're traveling a bit.
1: I still do my act, not as much as um, I used to because I really love living in um, Orange County, and I love Laguna, and I, it's, whenever I come home, it's just the most relaxing place. And I, I still like to do my show. I just did um, Palm Desert. I'm doing Cerritos. I don't know. When am I doing Cerritos, Martin? I don't know. Sometime soon. Sometime. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing that. Um, and I did New Year's Eve at the Laguna Playhouse. I do lots of the Laguna Playhouse. Um, and Martin and I have a new project that we've written that is being looked at now. But again, nothing is... Until it's on its feet, nothing is anything in Hollywood. So we just, you know, we keep going. And Martin is very heavily into... Molly's helping Molly with her music career because he's very good at planning things for her when she's too busy to plan them. So we'll see what happens. She has, they did a great band. um, It's called the Listen to the Seventies Band where they played, um, she played all music from Joni Mitchell and Carol King and James Taylor and Jim Croce. So they might be doing uh, more of that band.
0: And would they be performing out here when she's on break from school? We'll
1: have to see. There's always that possibility. I I know they're going to be performing in the summer at the Laguna Festival.
0: Okay. So that is a goal of mine then, because here we have the Performing Arts Center, which is over a thousand seats and incredible acoustics.
1: And she did her uh, at Dana Hills High School. We had a wonderful uh, person who was in charge of the music program there. His name was Ray Woods, Ray Woods. Okay. And he passed away, unfortunately. Oh. He was the sweetest, most talented guy. And they did a whole opera performance. Right Here? On, yeah, at the Soka University in the theater.
0: Wow, so I, I, although the Performing Arts Center is the premier venue, I would love to see Molly and her band in the Black Box Theater. Um, I, because that's a smaller venue and it's more intimate, and I, I would love to see that as well. So. I hope that we can connect Martin with these people and find a way of getting this performance. Because you just named so many, uh, uh, so many artists that I love to hear.
1: Fleetwood Mac. Feature- Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Yeah, they feature heavily, and it's just it's the best show, and it's done four sold-out performances at the Laguna Playhouse.
0: Well, I'm sold. So we will work on that. Mm-hmm. And then so that's how much more time does Molly have in school right now, does she?
1: She's graduating early. Oh,
0: she is. Okay. Yes,
1: and so she has less than a year and then she's coming back home. Oh my
0: gosh. And then
1: she's starting um running around with the guitar and a piano. <laughs> <Let's>
0: <laughs> and then happens. it begin and then it begins. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we can look forward to uh from Molly and we've got some things to look forward to from you and from Martin and Oh, that was the other thing I was going to ask. Because uh, I don't know if we have time to ask. I have time to ask this. But, um, so your name is obviously very recognizable. Rita Rudner. When mm-hmm. I say that, people know immediately who, who it is. But Molly doesn't use your last name. And, I, and the reason I wanted to ask that is because I saw this interview, and this is like 20 years ago, with, with um, Martin Sheen and um, Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. And they were both being asked. And so Emilio Estevez gets on and he says... Well, I'm not gonna use my dad's uh, last name because I don't want it to open the doors for me. I wanna open those doors. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie Sheen drives up in his Porsche and he comes walking in and they ask him the same question and he says, well, I don't care. If it opens the door, that's great because it's what happens after you're through that door that matters, so if uh, me using my dad's last name helps then that's fine with me. Mm. And so we're talking about Molly and her career and did she make a conscious decision? Yes. She did.
1: Yeah. Well, that's her name, Molly Bergman. And okay. We, um, she just did what? I said, you can use anything you want. You know? Lady Gaga. That's not her real name. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Ice Tea. I don't think that's what he was christened with. So when you're uh, in music, you can just make up any name you want to. Lana Del Rey, that's not her name. Right. So she said, I, I'm Molly Bergman. That's who I am. So,
0: so we will look for Molly Bergman's work. We will continue to look forward to... Originally,
1: she wanted to be Molly Estevez. But... <laughs> See, you... See,
0: now that's that comedic
1: timing that I was
0: afraid I wouldn't be able to keep up with. But uh, So so we will look forward to Molly Bergman's uh, musical career. We will look forward to the work that you're doing in comedy, but then also... And I'm
1: also in Las Vegas three times a year now at the South Point Casino, and, and that's fun too.
0: Okay, we can look forward to that as well. And... I will look forward to whatever you continue to do to help the local community here in Orange County, especially with education, and and hope that when Molly gets back from school, I'll get a chance to talk with her more directly and we'll hear a lot of what she's doing. Done. It's done. done. Oh, my gosh.
1: Look, when I clap, it's really done. There. <laughs> okay. All done.
0: Well, Rita, thank you so much for joining me. And, Martin, thanks for taking care of all the details and then also collaborating with, with your lovely wife because I can't wait to see what the two of you have come up with. No,
1: thank you for having me. <laughs> and I want to look at where my handlers are. Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: thank you. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that segment as much as I did. And now we know we can look forward to the release of Rita's memoir, and also a future segment with her daughter, musician Molly Bergman. For now, I wanna say thank you very much and mahalo.